It could be that your station in life, the situation you find yourself in, the financial, relational, emotional, and spiritual condition of your life is not what God intends for you. And that if you were to truly allow the Holy Spirit to speak, and that if you were really ready to let the Holy Spirit speak, you would hear something shocking this morning. That common disappointments of life have left you short of God's will for you and all his blessings. And that by dealing rightly with common life disappointments, everything in your life could begin to change. That by simply letting God speak into your life and embracing the truth beyond your disappointments, you could in fact take hold of God's rewards. Disappointment is disabling. Some of you are seated here today unable to take hold of God's written promises, the ones that he's etched not only on the word but in your heart and you're not able to take hold of them because disappointment has disabled you. God, as we bust into your word today from the life of Joseph, I just pray that you'll be breaking through the obstacles that we face, the spiritual war that's in front of us, move in power. I thank you that you are for us and not against us. I thank you that those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. I thank you that we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us and the life we now live in the flesh. We live by faith in the Son of God. And I pray, Lord, that we would be transported from a outward man that is controlling our life and that we'd be allowed to, by the power of your Spirit, let the inner man be released and that we'd take hold of what you have for us today. God, I beg you, Lord, I'm asking right now that people that came unexpected, unexpecting that they would meet with you, meet them in their disappointment. For those that have diminished disappointment and not dealt with it, God, I pray that you will break through and that you will pull down these blinders and help us all see that that everyday disappointment not dealt with according to your plan and your word can leave us very paralyzed. And it can leave us in a place situationally, professionally, relationally, emotionally that leaves us spiritually stunted. So Lord, I'm asking right now in this room and across the airwaves right now, free us. I'm asking for it. God, you know my heart, how fired up I am about this morning and the word that you've got. So I'm asking you, get me out of your way. King of glory, come in. Who is this king in glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So Lord, we lift up our eyes to the hills because that's where our help comes from. And we need you today. So come in power. Wake up the sleeper here, God. And start with me, in Jesus' name, amen. There's a young man in our city whose career is at risk, you guys. 
One sports pundit this week said, very few quarterbacks recover from the disappointment of a sustained slump like this when they open their NFL career. I, with my dad's heart, am concerned for him. His name's Justin Fields. He's hurting. Imagine the pressure of being trading off draft picks to trade up to get what you hope to be the next franchise quarterback. Justin Fields is hurting. His quarterback rating is abysmal. The Bears are ranking where everyone predicted they would be. And it's heartbreaking. My co-host on radio, Ali Domerson, she said to me, oh, I was watching him, this is two weeks ago, watching him sit down on the bench after he had thrown another interception, and you could just see on his face the life just come out of this poor kid. He's a kid. He's a talented kid. Man, can he throw the ball. He's got an incredibly strong arm. He's a scrambler. If you ever saw him at the Ohio State, this is a player. But he might never play well again. The reason for his disappointment, I believe, is because he is being coached poorly. Now, I'm being bold here right now, but I want to tell you, I really believe three weeks ago I had this. It was two weeks ago I was watching the game, and I had this aha moment. As I was listening, I heard them speaking of what he had done over the spring and the summer to prepare for this season. The commentator said, just by happenstance, oh, Justin Fields, he's been watching, he's been watching Aaron Rodgers tape all spring and all summer. That's all he's been doing is watching Aaron Rodgers tape. And I thought to myself, oh no. Why, because I'm a great football mind? No, but I understand human nature, and I understand spiritual gifting, and I understand unique design. And I'm like, oh no, and here's what happened, and I'm going to be bold. I've already said this on radio, so I'll say it here. Somebody get a hold of the offensive coordinator and tell him right now, he's screwing up. The offensive coordinator was at Green Bay for five years working with Aaron Rodgers. And no fault of his own, he saw Aaron Rodgers move that ball up and down the field. And so he's like, I've got to make Justin Aaron. Justin will never be Aaron. For starters, Justin's a scrambler. He's got more speed in his pinky than Aaron Rodgers has in his whole hand. He's a mover. He was at the Ohio State. He could throw a long ball, but it was generally out of the pocket. And so the coach, a new offensive coordinator, who was really fourth or fifth in line up there at Green Bay, now comes and says, I'm going to make Justin into Aaron, and it ain't working. And that's just a little lesson for free here. Be who you are. Don't be someone else. The greatest gift we could give Justin Fields would be to say, forget all the tape you watched on Aaron Rodgers. He is a pocket passer. You will never be a classic pocket passer. You're more akin to Mahomes than you are to Aaron. Let's watch some scramblers. Let's watch guys that are getting out of the pocket. But instead, I'm watching this poor kid be forced to try to be someone that he's not. You know what's happening? 
he's getting incredibly discouraged. You can see it in his face. And the commentator's right. We keep this one up. You know what he said? Very few even really talented quarterbacks can survive a slump that sustains for a couple of years. I'm going to be bold with you. If I could get a hold of an offensive coordinator in Justin Fields, I'd sit him down and go, look, I'm not a football mind, but I'm a person mind, and this ain't working. But the disappointment is there. Brain science has proven that common, the common effects of common disappointment is real. It's proven that we've got a problem today. That the way we humans are wired and especially add to it the spiritual war that many of us are in who are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I need you to hear me right now. Don't go to sleep on me. Common disappointments in our life have huge impact. Negatively. Significant. One of the coolest studies that I've seen recently was a woman that got in front of a large class. And she said, class, I want everyone here. You've got three words in front of you on a piece of paper. With that first word right now, re-scramble the letters into another word. Go. And when you have that word, put your hand in the air. About half the class immediately put their hand in the air. The other half looking around going, what's going on? It's okay, put your hands down. Second word, look at the word on your list, re-scramble those letters now, and when you've got that word re-scrambled into another intelligible word, put your hand in the air. Quickly, half the hands in the class, boom, right up. And the other half, looking around. Now you can see it in an instant. In 30 seconds, they went from, all right, let's do the experiment, to, oh, no. Then the teacher said to the whole class, look at the third word, re-scramble it. When you've got that word re-scrambled in the new word, put your hand in the air, and half the hands went up. And a couple little stragglers from that other group that had never raised their hands. And this is what she went on to explain. She said, we actually have this thing called disappointment bias. She said, you didn't know this, but there's two different groups here. All of you in this room share the last word in common. But for one of you, in one group, you had words that could be easily re-scrambled into another word. But for another group, your first two words could not be made into another English word. It was impossible. And so, while you were watching the others raise their hands, you started thinking, I'm lesser than. I can't do it. Oh, no. This is making me nervous. I must not measure up. And so when it came, she said, to the third word, you could have gotten it, but you know how now had a disappointment bias and you were inclined to fail that word as well. Look at the power of the brain. God gave us the ability to process truths or lies. And if we don't seize the day 
and use God's word to redirect our mindset, here's what I need you to know. Common disappointments will derail us and keep us from the abundant life that God promises. That is a fact. From the life of Joseph, we get an amazing little message today that I've just titled, Overcoming Disappointment. Joseph experienced the serious disappointment in ways that you can't imagine, but he overcame it. The question is how? And we pick up this story today in just a moment where Joseph has just been falsely accused of sexual assault by Potiphar's wife. He's been thrown in prison, and don't you know he was disappointed? How can this happen, God? He must have asked, how can I be so faithful for all these years and now I'm getting punished for doing what is right? We pick it up in Genesis 40, verse 1 through 4. Look at what we find sometime after this, this being when he was thrown in prison. The cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against the lord of the king of Egypt. Now this is really serious business because the cupbearer and the baker are high-level guys. They're basically making sure that foodstuffs don't kill the king. This is big. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers. We don't know what the dilemma and the crisis was, but it was serious enough to get thrown in prison. The chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them. Now, and here's the key word, watch this closely, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And the Hebrew word attended here doesn't mean just serves. It means that he cared for, he leaned into that responsibility in a really powerful, sweet way. Here's the first point I want to give you that's very important. Joseph didn't make his disappointment an excuse to become a slacker or let his character wane. I need you to hear me because we're going to have some action points at the end of this message here today. But one of the epic things about Joseph, and I want you young men to listen to me right now, young ladies as well, but a spirit of Joseph can be on you, but this is important. We've got to remember that Joseph did not let all the things that could have disappointed him keep him in a position where he began to slack or let his character wane. Have you ever noticed how easy it is for your disappointment to affect your ability to serve others? I'm going to say that again. Have you ever noticed how easy it is when you're disappointed for that to affect your ability to serve others? You know, my, my wife and I love to talk a lot with young couples about this principle. One of the reasons young marriages fail is that they have a I'll meet you in the middle or 50-50 relationship approach to life. It never works. I've said this before here, I'm going to say it again. When you have a 50-50 relationship approach to life, your mindset is I'm at this end zone, you're at that end zone, I'll meet you at the 50-yard line. The problem is in marriage, there's no yard markers and you always overestimate how far you've gone and how little the other one has done. It's true. 
You know what can sap the ability for people to give their lives away is common disappointment. You know how easy it is for me to justify being a slacker, to not have character with the manhood that God called me to toward my wife just because I feel a little disappointed by something that she didn't do for me. Ooh, it's so easy. And it would have been easy for Joseph to have mailed it in and said, God, I don't deserve to be in here. I did the right thing. Yeah, I might throw these guys some scraps, but attend to them, to serve them. No, hear me, that threat is real. This meet you in the middle or 50-50 or, boy, I hope they're doing theirs, can cause all kinds of problems, even in the workplace. Work from home that we have right now has caused suspicion in the workplace of those who come to work. Do you hear me? Oh yeah, this work from home thing sounds great until you get on the phone with someone and it sounds like they're at the beach. This work from home thing sounds great until you're in the grind day after day going in, going in, and you're wondering, what's it like to be at home, man? What's it like to be working from home? And it's incredibly dangerous. We tend to overestimate how much we've given. Even at Moody Bible Institute where I work. You know what I've noticed? Listen close now. I have noticed even at Moody Bible Institute there is this subtle temptation to wonder or think or imagine that other people that are working at home aren't doing much. And I've heard it come out of the mouths of a lot of radically born-again people who say to me, man, we got half the workforce at Moody working at home. Don't you know they aren't doing anything? And I think to myself, they might not be doing too much. And how will that affect me? You know what I've had to do? I've had to do a little Joseph thing and just suck it up and go, you know what, it doesn't matter who's working from home, I am working for an audience of one. The only way that we're going to survive the disappointments and the common ones of life, when a spouse doesn't meet your need, when a girlfriend doesn't meet your need, when a co-worker seems to be dropping the ball, when you're on the phone with your publicist and you hear kids screaming in the background. And you're wondering, how much work is really getting done anyway? Will that affect you? It's easy to. But Joseph said, no matter how much wrong comes my way, I'm not going to let disappointment turn me into a slacker or to lack character in any way. What a great guy. It goes on in Genesis 40, verses 5 through 8. And one night, they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison. Each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces so downcast today? And they said to him, We've had dreams. There is no one to interpret them. 
And Joseph said to them, listen to these words. Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. Here's the point. Joseph never let his disappointment drift. Hear me now. Here's the point. Joseph never let his disappointment drift into unbelief in God's power and providence. He never let it He held on to the fact that God who spoke to me back there with my brothers before I was betrayed is the same God today, and he's still speaking. He's disappointed, and he might have been tempted to say when he had these dreams brought to him, hey, figure them out yourself. Here's the point. He knew the dream giver, and he wouldn't ever give up on God. I want to be very practical with this. Because it's easy for us to get into seasons of disappointment spiritually and we find ourselves not hearing the voice of God or not even looking for where he's working. And let me just be this candid. There are many pastors throughout Chicagoland and around the United States of America in particular that are currently in the prison of discipleship disappointment. What do I mean by discipleship disappointment? Almost every pastor I know could pass a test. And the test would be, why has God put you there? What do you exist to do? You and the elders of the church, why? What? We find it in the Great Commission. Making disciples, teaching them to obey everything commanded. But it seems so elusive. The truth be told, a lot of reason that a lot of churches, and I get tempted myself to go back to finding validation from counting noses and nickels, is that noses and nickels are tangible and, quite candidly, in American Christianity, seem to be much more readily available than disciples. But you know what happens? We get discipleship disappointment. We get discouraged over the fact that where are the disciples? Are they being made? And it hurts. Until last week. God gave me a little shot in the arm like you cannot believe. I had a meeting with a group of people, and I can't even give you all the basics of this. I can't even give you all the details, but the basics are simply this. I got a shot in the arm from God that I believe disciple-making at 180 Chicago is still possible. No kidding. And I got to tell you, when I got on this phone call, I could have approached this call with a little bit of disappointment by being a little bit skeptical and maybe missed what God wanted to say, but it's like God came through a Zoom call with a few other strategic key players, and I said, Carl, I have a dream for you. I felt like the Lord said to me, Carl, don't stop. Don't become discouraged or disappointed with disappointment over the lack of disciple-making. I want to tell you candidly, disciple-making is hard work. 
And sometimes there's things in your life that are hard, and you get disappointed, and you're wondering, why can't I do better as a mom, as a dad? And here's the problem, whether it's in your position at work or your financial situation, if you find yourself disappointed and you begin to tune out the voice of God, you may miss the very thing that's going to liberate you from that prison. Because that's what happened to Joseph. He goes on, chapter 40, verse 9 through 23. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Hey, in my dream, there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were like three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossom shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you. No microphone. In three days... This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only, he said, remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that should have put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I, I had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. This is a funky dream, guys. And in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer. That means he lopped it off. And the head of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Here's the point. Joseph discovered that disappointment can go to the deepest of dark places, but it didn't have to destroy him. I want, I want, you, I want to highlight something here. I know there's a war in this room right now, so I want you to listen close to me. There's three words in this little text that are so important. But he forgot him. I'm going to leave this story this morning unresolved. But we leave the story with great disappointment for Joseph, and it's compounded disappointment because now he's not only been thrown in prison 
for being falsely accused of assaulting Potiphar's wife, he now interpreted dreams. He was promised they would remember and get him out, but he's left in there to rot. And this is what I need you to know this morning. Disappointment will never stop in our lives, ever. Disappointment will come tomorrow. Disappointment will visit you again and again and again. And sometimes disappointment is compounded and unresolved. But here's the question. Will you stop? Will you let the station in your life, the place where you are, the job that you have, the financial situation that you're in, the relational condition that you have, will you let the, the evidence that seems to be mounting that God has left you, will you lift your eyes to heaven for an audience of one and listen for his voice? And I just want to give you three quick things that I want you to take away today. Very simple. First, don't let your disappointments diminish your discipleship. This is super important. I want you to hear me. There's some of you that face a disappointment in your life, and you know what happens? You set down your Bible. You face a disappointment in your life, and you begin to stop praying like you used to pray. You have a disappointment in your life and your fervor to share your faith with others begins to wane. You let real, honest-to-goodness disappointment derail you from God's greater plan. Here's what I need you to know. Never stop being a disciple in the face of disappointment. Keep following Jesus. Second thing. Look for the divine in the middle of everyday disappointments. Look for the divine. What do I mean by that? Just as Joseph listened to a dream that was given, he said these words, God's the interpreter of dreams. In the middle of prison and disappointment, he never lost sight of the fact that God is still working miracles today. And I don't know what you're in right now and what kind of disappointment you have, but I've heard it all from women who wonder, will I ever get married? To some men who wonder, will I ever get out of this marriage? To people that wonder, will I ever get promoted in this job? To people who wonder, will I ever get moved from this job? To, and the list goes on and on and on. Here's what you need to know. Keep your head up. Look for the divine in common everyday disappointments because God is always on the move. Third thing, and maybe this is most important. Let God grow the fruit of patience in the garden of disappointment. I'm going to leave this up here for a moment. This is very, very critical. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch, you abide in me, and you will bear fruit. 
One of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. But we have messed up. We have often said these words, and I have myself. Man, I'm in a situation right now. I need, you can almost fill it in. I need a lot of patience. I need you to hear me. You don't need a lot of patience. You need long patience. See, patience isn't measured by weight. It's measured by distance. Some of us have wrongly thought that we need a lot of patience in a given situation. No, we just need a little bit of patience to get us further down the road. That's all God asks of us. You know, I don't know what you are up against today. And I don't know what your station is in life. I don't know what situation you find yourself in. I don't know the financial, relational, emotional, and spiritual condition of your life, but I know this for sure. And I've seen it so many times. Disappointment can paralyze people and hold them back from God's greater promises. And here's what I want you to do today. Bow your head with me right now all over this auditorium and those of you at home. Bow your head with me. And Father, I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus that this morning there would be a revolution in this room. That the disappointments that have held us back would hold us back no more. Lord, I'm asking in this room right now and in 180 Homes and wherever anyone is that we would bring to mind a moment in time or a place in time or even today a disappointment that has stalled us from following Jesus. Lord, that we would just own that moment right now for a second. Just own it. Just sit in it. Take hold of it. And that you, Lord, would be at work. God, pry our hands free. Don't let us hold on to disappointment anymore, no matter what that is. God, we want to be like Joseph and give it to you. And so we surrender it right now. God, I thank you, too, that you've called us to look for the divine in the middle of everyday disappointments. I'm going to pray over every person here right now, oh, God, cause them, compel them to look for you as they embrace disappointments of life. God, I thank you that both can exist at the same time. That you're big enough and that you're good enough. God, too, I pray this morning that you would allow us to be people who manifest the fruit of patience. Not a lot for a moment, but all we need for the long haul 
Keep us close to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the God of Joseph be your God today. Don't let disappointment derail you again. Go with God. We'll see you next week.